Welcome to another episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. My name is Doug Hoffman, and I am the Director of Rules and Competitions for the Minnesota Golf Association. I am also a PGA Master Professional and USGA Certified Expert on the Rules. I'm glad you are listening. The purpose of this podcast is to provide valuable information on the rules that all golfers should know. Obviously, the level of golf one plays, be it social or highly competitive, includes playing by the rules. I understand many people play golf simply to have time in nature with friends, enjoying each other's company, and sometimes the challenge that golf provides. Yet the rules are key, and the better one knows them, they will have a better appreciation for the game. This podcast takes the rules and breaks them down into easy-to-follow segments, each lasting about 10 or 15 minutes. By keeping each podcast shorter, it allows you, the listener, to better absorb and process the information. I feel listening to more shorter episodes allows you to really understand the information before moving forward. This episode deals with many of the fundamental concepts that all of us will use every round. As the purpose statement of the rule states, it tells us when and how we may mark, lift, and clean our golf ball, and how to put it back into play. It tells us when we must use the original ball and when we may substitute another ball. It tells us how and where to drop a ball and what to do if we play from a wrong place. Now, let's get started. Part 1. Marking, Lifting, and Cleaning the Ball As most everyone knows, the rules allow us to lift the ball and clean it when it is on the putting green. But the rules also let us lift, clean, and even substitute the ball in other cases. However, there are some required steps we must follow to avoid being penalized. Remember, we are talking about deliberately causing the ball to move by lifting or rotating it. If after we lift the ball, a rule requires it to be replaced on the original spot, it must be marked. That means to place a ball marker right behind or next to the ball or mark its spot with a club. I have seen some players lift the ball and then place the ball marker, but that isn't good enough. The ball must be marked before it is moved. Once we replace the ball, the ball marker must be lifted before the next stroke is made. If we fail to do this, this is a one-stroke penalty. So who may lift the ball? Of course, the player may lift the ball, but they may authorize any other person to lift it. However, that authorization must be given each time except for when the ball is on the putting green where the player's caddy may lift the ball without specific authorization from the player. If the caddy lifts the ball someplace other than the putting green, the player generally will incur a penalty stroke. Can we clean the ball now that it is in our hands? Likely, yes, but there are a few times the ball cannot be cleaned, and they are as follows. First, to see if it is cut or cracked. Second, because it interferes with play of another player or third, to see if it lies in a condition where relief is allowed. Of course, if the player gets relief, then they may clean the ball. There is one half-time, as I like to call it, when it may be cleaned, and that is to identify it when it may be cleaned only to the extent necessary to lift it. If we clean the ball when not allowed, it is a one-stroke penalty, although if the player receives a penalty under any of what we have discussed previously, such as for failing to mark the ball, and then cleans it, there is a quantity discount as they will receive only one penalty stroke total. Part two, replacing the ball on the spot. It may seem rather simple, but warrants mentioning. By definition, replacing means to put the ball back on the spot unless otherwise permitted. But who may replace it? 
There are two entities that may replace the ball. First, the player. And second, the person who lifted it or caused it to move, likely another player or a spectator. If the player plays a ball replaced by someone else, they incur a one-stroke penalty. And while it should seem obvious, replacing it means to set it down on the required spot and letting go so that it stays on that spot. What if the player doesn't know the exact spot? The spot is estimated, but there are key points here. First, the spot includes a vertical location, and second, if the ball was at rest on, under, or against any immovable obstruction, integral object, boundary object, or growing or attached natural object, it must be replaced on the original spot, on, under, or against that object. However, with respect to loose impediments, if any were removed as a result of the ball being lifted or moved, or before the ball was replaced, they do not need to be replaced. But what if the original lie was altered by a stroke, let's say? Well, if it were in sand, the original lie is recreated in the sand. But if it were anywhere other than in the sand, the player will find the nearest spot with the most similar lie as the original ball. But it must be within one club length, no near the hole, and in the same area of the course. And what if the ball won't stay on the spot? What now? Well, the player is going to try two times to get the ball to come to rest on that spot. If that cannot happen, the player will go to the nearest spot where it will come to rest without going nearer the hole and in the same area of the course. Part three is dropping the ball in a relief area. There are many key points to keep in mind when dropping the ball. First, the player will be proceeding under a rule that provides relief, whether free or not. Second, the player may use the original ball or may substitute another ball. Third, there will be a relief area, generally one club length in size, but possibly two. Fourth, the ball must be dropped in the right way using the correct procedure. Fifth, the ball must hit in and come to rest in the relief area. Sixth, the player must correct an incorrect drop. And seventh, the player must not deliberately deflect or stop a drop ball, but accidentally striking the player after it strikes the course is played as it lies with no penalty. So let's explore these. First of all, the term dropping also includes placing a ball. Next, the player may use a different ball each time they drop. Third, there is one situation in which the player will not have a relief area, and that is stroke and distance from the putting green. Otherwise, in all cases, the player will have a one or two club length area from the reference point. The two club length option exists only for two circumstances, and that's lateral relief from either a penalty area or for an unplayable ball. Fourth, the correct procedure means dropping, which is not throwing, tossing, or rolling the ball from knee height. Knee height is defined as the height above the ground when the player is standing up. Fifth, when the player drops the ball, it must first strike the course within the relief area and then come to rest within the relief area. Sixth, if the player drops in the wrong way, they must correct the error. The drop ball does not count and they must redrop. There is no limit to the number of times they must drop to fix the problem. Next, if the player drops in the wrong way and does not correct it, here's what happens. If the ball strikes 
the course outside the relief area, but comes to rest inside the relief area. They incur a one-stroke penalty for a procedural error for failing to drop properly. However, if the ball comes to rest outside the relief area, no matter whether it struck the course inside the relief area or not, the player incurs the general penalty, which is a loss of hole in match play or two strokes in stroke play, for having played from a wrong place. Next, if the player is dropped in the right way, but the ball comes to rest outside the relief area, the player must redrop one time for a total of two drops. If the ball fails to stay in the relief area the second time, the player will place the ball at the spot where it first struck the course on the redrop, that is, the second drop. And lastly, if any person deliberately deflected or stopped a drop ball, the ball must be dropped again and the first drop does not count. If it happens to be the player that deliberately caused the ball to be deflected or stopped, once again, the player must redrop and the player incurs the general penalty that is loss of hole or two-stroke penalty in stroke play. There is an exception if there is no reasonable chance the ball will come to rest within the relief area. Part four deals with when the ball is back in play after being out of play. And it very simply is this, a ball is back in play when the player replaces, drops, or places the original ball or a substituted ball with the intent for it to be in play, even if it's done improperly and a replaced ball is in play even if the ball marker has not been removed. Remember, if you play a stroke with the ball marker in place, it is a one-stroke penalty. Part 5 tells us what we may do in order to correct our mistakes. As directed under 14.5b, the player may correct any mistake of replacing or dropping prior to making a stroke. This would be for a procedural error, dropping in a wrong place, or under a wrong rule. Part six tells us what to do in the case of stroke and distance. It is unfortunate, but not unusual, when we must go back to the place where we played the last stroke in order to play another ball. This always is a relief option for a ball in a penalty area, lost, out of bounds, or unplayable. While similar, there are minor differences based on the part of the course from where the previous stroke was made. Specifically, if a ball was played from the teeing area, the player will go back to the teeing area and have the entire rectangular area from which to play. If a ball is played from the putting green, the player will place a ball as near as possible to the original spot. If the ball is played from any place in between, the ball must be dropped within the one or two club length relief area, but also must be dropped in the specific part of the course, that is the penalty area, bunker, or general area. Part seven tells us what to do if we've played from a wrong place. Specifically, rule 14.7a tells us after starting a hole, a player must make each stroke from where the ball comes to rest, except when the rules require or allow the player to play from a different place. That said, the player must not play the ball in play from a wrong place. So what happens if we do? Well, the first answer depends on the format for the competition. If it happened in a competition, in match play, the player loses the hole. However, in stroke play, the answer to this question depends upon whether we have gained a significant advantage, or as the rules refer to a serious breach, to playing from a wrong place. Determining whether the wrong place is a serious breach depends on a few factors, the greatest of which is distance. Is the distance gained significant for the person? However, that's not the only factor. 
Is the shot significantly easier? This could be measured by objects in the way, trees, ability to make the swing, objects the shot must carry, such as bunkers or penalty areas, and turf conditions, such as deep rough. If there is not a serious breach, the player's score will be the score made with the ball played from the wrong place, plus two penalty strokes. Think about a situation in which a player moves the ball to get it out of a way from another player on the putting green and fails to move the ball back. While not a serious breach, it will still result in a two-stroke penalty. If there is a serious breach, the player must correct the mistake by going back to the proper spot and playing another ball. Thus, the score for that ball, plus two penalty strokes, will be their score for the hole. If the player is uncertain whether or not there is a serious breach, they may play two balls. The ball played initially and a ball played when they became uncertain of the situation. However, they must report the facts to the committee in this case and let it decide which ball counts. Hopefully, the player is holed out with both balls. That concludes this episode of I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast. I hope you have enjoyed and learned something about Rule 14, lifting and returning a ball to play. I cannot stress how basic yet important these concepts are to playing the game at any level. After all, if we never touch the ball between the teeing area and getting it out of the hole, as I said, the game is simple. Unfortunately, that rarely is the case. Thus, we have to know how to get the ball back into play so we can have a score. I encourage you to continue your study of the rules by visiting both the USGA and RNA rules pages. There is a plethora of information that will help you become more rules literate, no matter your knowledge level, and quizzes that will test that knowledge. Be sure to check out the USGA short courses too. You also might consider watching my Rules on Tap episodes. Links to these may be found on the rules page at the Minnesota Golf Association website, www.mngolf.org, or by going to the MGA Rules of Golf channel at gotostage.com. That's www.mngolf.org, or the MGA Rules of Golf channel at gotostage.com. Please come back soon for another episode, and don't forget to listen to past shows. Be sure to pass along the link to your fellow golfers and rules friends. You can find I Need a Ruling, a golf podcast, on all of your favorite podcast sites. Until then, play well and have fun.